A narcissist wants to hook you in six days, but, but statistically a relationship, you can move it to the next level from six months to a year. So anywhere between six months is kind of like when you really can see, well, this person is starting to stay consistent. They're communicative. They can pick up on my cues. They're not pushing too hard too soon. But if you exactly, if you push too hard and you're frantic and you're trying to nail that person and hook them in, the other person's going to go, what's the urgency? Wait, slow down. That urgency is a sign of low self-esteem and insecurity. So if everybody can welcome, good morning. Azada, how are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Love still exists. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes. yes. All right. Okay. So I got to ask you, I just want to dive into this thing. Okay. Can you share a little bit of your story, your personal journey and how you became a transformational life coach and a couples coach and all this kind of stuff? I know there's some backstory there, like in your bio, it talks about some of the trauma and the experiences, and I'm sure that connects so, you know, give us some insights to your backstory for those that don't know you and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Trevor. And hey, everybody, you know, um, I believe that our calling is what we've been through and we have what we have found victory in. And my backstory is I was born in Iran in, uh, during the revolution. So I was born right into trauma and chaos and violence and and I and I grew and I grew up in a family system in a culture I call it the narcissistic culture. So abuse was groomed into me as love, and and as a relational template. Ouch! Right? Ouch! Can you give me some examples? Okay, I want to I want to like because you say abuse was like programmed into you as love, like 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 talk to me about that. That, that sounds awful to me. And I just want to hear like what you mean by that. Absolutely. From the age one to seven, we are being literally programmed. And when you're in an environment, when people are abusing each other and hurting each other, and you are sitting there as a sponge, you absorb it as, as normal, as love, as the way it's supposed to be. And so growing up in that, I kept attracting abuse because that was my relational template. That was the energy, energetic vibe with others. So you were attracting that once you grew up, you were bringing that into your life because that was like what you knew as love. Yes, I, I thought the intensity mm. was intimacy. I thought the chaos was love. I, I didn't know mm, the connection. Like it's passion. Yes. The intensity, yeah. the highs, the lows, the fights, the, 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 uh, makeup, the makeup, sex, the makeup of whatever, but, but then go back into that chaotic, violent connection and then all to come back and make up again. And it's toxic. It's intense. Mm. It's crazy. You, I'm sure you heard I've of it. I've been in I'm a sure. relationship. I, <laughs> hey, I've been in a relationship like that. You know what I'm talking about? The ups and the downs and the whoo roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? Actually, they have a song. 
roller coaster of love. You ever heard that roller no, coaster? No, I haven't. You've never heard I'm that? To, no, I'm gonna have to look it up and post. Yeah, use that. Look, it's one of my reels for sure. Look that up yeah, for real. That's a, that's a song. Yeah. I don't know who does it, but I, it just reminded me red of that. Red hot chili peppers. Red hot. Oh, red hot. Really? Chi- we got a comment over there on Clubhouse. Red hot chili peppers. Okay, so there you go. So the roller coaster of life, uh, uh, of your relationship, the ups and the downs, and all of that stuff. Okay. So, so when did you kind of like get the aha that that's not the right way? That's not the forever. Oh, I was forever. I was like, man, I'm the only common denominator in all these relationships. I can't be blaming oh. them anymore, right? <sighs> so it was, it was you. It was, it was you. Me. You started going. Was- Wait a minute. Hmm. That's that's accountability. When, okay. So what what? Okay, accountability is actually something that's super important for me because uh, I'm single. Okay, I'm single and I'm and I'm looking for my partner. Okay, hey, okay, I, and 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 it's one of those things that accountability is extremely important for me as I'm looking for my partner. I want someone who could because I used to be a victim. Uh, I used to not take accountability and point the finger at everybody else, and it was never my fault for anything. Da 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 da. But um, I grew up through through you know past that. And accountability is now one of my superpowers. I make a lot of mistakes and I know how to own up to them and and try to get better. And um, so I want the same in a partner. So it sounds like you somehow, some way, what was it for you that all of a sudden it clicked? Wait a minute. I'm the common denominator, which is taking accountability. Absolutely. Self-awareness is everything. Accountability, self-awareness. I was like, okay, boyfriend, chaos, violence insanity girlfriend the same pattern keeps showing up and i keep attracting it so i gotta start getting down to causes and conditions of how and get really good at my own patterns rather than theirs i'm fault finding and looking at their behavior instead i need to shift it and really get to know my toxic patterns and how i show up in relationships that's a mic drop (laughs) that's a mic drop Because you can only fix yourself anyways. I mean, you can't, you know, technically you have no control over the other person. Okay. You could, you could tell them the right things to do. You could tell them, you know, all this stuff, but you don't have any control over them and how they act. So the only thing you have control over is yourself and how you react and and what you do. And so what, what were some of the things I want to know? What were some of the things that you were doing that were attracting some of these? Ready? Ready? We're going to drop the mic right here. Red flags, turn them green. (laughs) Think about that, Trevor. Red flags, turn them green. Ah, no, no, it's not that bad. Oh, he's okay. Oh, he didn't mean it. Oh, oh, he's, he's, he had a bad day. He's sorry. He had a bad upbringing. He cheated on me. It was a mistake, not a choice. Mm, Compulsive forgiving. yeah. Oh, snap. Wow. Okay. So you were just like extra, extra nice, right? Kind of like they talk about, uh, and, and I'm not saying that you were this, but they, they talk about doormat, right? You're being a doormat. So letting people walk on you, all of those red flags, all of those, you know, things that should have been like, Mm-mm, I ain't dealing with that. You were like, mm, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, kind of like just being forgiving. 
which forgiveness is a good quality, but mm, sometimes you got to draw a line, right? Yeah. You got to have deal breakers, man. You got to know what mm. your bottom line is, what you'll handle and what you won't. You That's gotta. good. Deal breakers. Deal breakers. What, were, what, what are your deal breakers? What were your deal breakers that you started to figure out? <laughs> He's got to have a job. <laughs> oh, you need a job. You want no. up J-O-Bs? Yes. Hey, for all y'all men out there that ain't got a job, okay, you, you know, you, you know, you're in that career transition. Come holler at your boy. I'll help you get a job. All right. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah, it's in line with your work. Gotta have a job. You gotta yeah. be. You gotta be. You gotta have accountability of your own behavior and actions. Just like you talked about, Trevor. Account. You gotta be self-reflective. I'm also a sober alcoholic, so I don't do drinking. I haven't drank in 22 years. I've been sober 22 years. So drinking, drugging, smoking is a deal. Is not. Well, I'm married to a gorgeous man, 14 years. Gorgeous. Oh, well, congratulations, congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. And how long? How long you been sober? 22 years. 22 years, man. Congratulations for that too. That's amazing. Thank and so you, you draw that line too. You're like, no, not doing that. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Those are my deal breakers. And see, but you, you see, I had to change me first in order. If the person you want, you have to become first. Ooh, ooh, hold up, mic drop, mic drop. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. That's good because yeah. so, you can't expect, right? Like you can't expect. That, you know, you want this amazing person and they're all these qualities and they're, they got everything that you want in the world, but you're over here, you know, acting a fool, right? Yeah. 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 You can't. So you created, uh, you created a system. Okay. I, I, I hear about this 12 steps for narcissistic abuse recovery. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Okay. Cause Mm -hmm. let me just tell you something. I have been accused in the past. I've been I've been called the N-word, not that N-word, but you know what I'm saying, the narcissist word, okay? I've been called a narcissist before. And I've heard that word thrown around a lot, uh, especially you see a lot of these podcasts. You see, what is it, the fit and... Fit and fit. I don't remember what it's what it's called, but they talk a lot about relationships and men and women. Da 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 da. And so you just hear this word thrown around a lot, and I know that there's um a lot of truth to it. But I want to hear what your definition is because I've been called that before. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've been called a narcissist. So tell me what's your definition, and uh, what can we do to you know if 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 you have a narcissist in your life, how can we get away from that? And then you know if you are maybe have some of those traits. Okay. How can we, uh, take some accountability and, uh, and, and make a shift? Yeah. Great question. It is a buzzword right now. Everybody just cause someone's having a bad day or ha- made a mistake or had an anger snap. People are like narcissist, narcissist, na, 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 not even close. A narcissist is a personality disorder that actually is a constant cycle. It's a a disorder. It's a personality disorder, which it lacks empathy. It is, it is, it, it, it is grandiose. It lacks empathy. It is always blame shifting. It is, um, 
It literally goes from love to abuse in very short amount of time. It is a personality disorder that will break you down. If you're, in fact, instead of looking at the person so much, look at what's happening to you. Are you breaking down? Are you lacking sleep? Are you in addictions? Are you enduring toxicity? Are you showing up for this person in hope that they'll change and they haven't for, I don't know, two years, you've been trying to get this relationship to change and it hasn't. And the cycle keeps repeating. And I'm going to give you the cycle and then we're going to, and then I'm going to tell you what to do if you think you are in one. Here's the cycle. And especially, especially since it's Valentine's Day, their first hook and to get you is a love bomb. Since it's Valentine's Day, let's look at love bomb. Too much, too soon, too fast. They think you're magic. They want to give you everything. They just know you're their, you're their soulmate. They don't even know you. They just want to sweep you off your feet. And you're like, oh, I found my soulmate. They're here. Oh, it's like this. Oh, Trevor, you have a podcast. You have a radio show. You're amazing. You do so many good things. And and if it's a woman, they're going to lure you in with sex right away. And if you're a guy, you're like, wow, she's hot. She sees me and she's willing to have hot sex with me. Too much, too soon, too fast. Too Red fast. Too okay. Fast. Okay. Okay. Hold I want to, I want to stop there real quick. Cause we're going to, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I want to stop yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. couple of things you said. All right. Uh, a couple of things you said was lack of empathy right? Lack of empathy. Um, well, I can tell you right now, I got a lot of empathy. That's like one of my, that's another one of my superpowers. I feel for people. And I always like try to put myself in their shoes, all of those things. Um, it's one of the reasons why I help these uh, career transition folks is because I've been in their shoes. Like there's a lot of stuff anyway. So I got a lot of empathy. So, okay. Um, some of the other things that you said, uh, love bombing. Okay. I've heard that term too. Cause now I'm in the dating world all of a sudden, bop, bop, bop. I've heard that term before and I've heard them use it to your point with this narcissistic, uh, thing. And so, um, it, how do you know? Okay. How do you know the difference between love bombing? Because I I've heard, and I've actually read up on it where they're the, the, the purpose of love bombing is to try to come on real strong to kind of like gain control. It's almost like a control tactic, right? That's what that's what I've read up anyways. Now, how do you know the difference between love bombing and somebody who, um, let's say, for instance, falls quickly? Okay, like they just they're like, um, they just fall like boom like they know and they're like ooh, and they, and it probably should slow down a little bit but they're just they're they actually are having those feelings it's not a tactic it's not a strategy but they are actually having those feelings how do you determine the two how do you separate the two excellent question and one word consistency consistency they stay that way with the ups and downs like if you like if you come back and say that i i i'm into you it's going a little bit fast um, can we slow it down? Because they're genuine, they'll go with it. But Gosh. a narcissist will get Are... pissed and push harder. Oh, oh, okay. That's good. That's so good. So, okay. If, if you think you have a love bomber, okay, maybe there's a potential that they're actually falling for you. They're like falling fast. Okay. 
Uh, and so maybe you should tell them to slow it down a little bit. If they don't slow it down, maybe they're a narcissist and they're love bombing you. If they slow it down and they go with your pace, then they're being respectful of, you know, kind of the boundary there. Right. And they're just, you know, okay. Okay. That's good. That, that's good. Because I, I mean, let me just, I'm going to put myself on blast here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I have been um, in my life, okay, I have been, uh, you know, in scenarios where um, I honestly don't fall, like, I don't, I don't catch feelings for somebody very quickly, okay, or or very often is the right word. I don't fall, I don't get feelings for somebody often. So when I do, it's like, oh, it's like powerful. And the other thing for me is that I personally, I feel whatever I feel very strongly. If I'm like sad, I'm I'm like really sad and you'll know it. If I'm super happy and excited, I'm like really happy and excited. I'm, I, I have like a, almost like a 10 X to everything, every um, emotion that I'm feeling, right? You'll know how I'm feeling. Um, and so if I'm like, Ooh, I'm really feeling this. I'm like, Oh, I, you know, this girl, she's awesome. Oh my gosh. You know, like, you're going to know about it too. Uh, and so it could come off as whew, a little too much. Right. And uh, it has put me in the past. I've had to learn how to slow it down. I've had to learn, Hey, you know what? Just take it, take it slow. Cause um, in the past, I know years ago, I remember, uh, you know, it got me in the friend zone. I've been in the friend zone. Cause girls, I'm going to tell you what, you do that too quick, too fast, man. They'll put you in the friend zone so fast. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> It's truth. It's truth. Cause they're like, I think, I think women like to chase a little bit. They like to chase yes, a little bit. Yes, and so yes. if, if they think they already got you, right. They're mm -hmm. like, Oh, he's already in love with me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. they're like, Oh, you're like my brother. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love you. Like a brother. They put you exactly. in the friend zone. So fast. you're like my best friend. Yeah. Right? I've been yeah, in the friend yeah. zone before. Uh, so anyway, tell, tell me about that. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, you're right on anything healthy goes slow. Put it this way. A narcissist wants to hook you in six days, but, but statistically a relationship, you can move it to the next level from six months to a year. So anywhere between six months is kind of like when you really can see, well, this person is starting to stay consistent. They're communicative. They can pick up on my cues. They're not pushing too hard too soon. But if you, exactly, if you push too hard and you're frantic and you're trying to nail that person and hook them in, the other person's going to go, what's the urgency? Wait, slow down. That urgency is a sign of low self-esteem and insecurity. Mm. What's the rush, man? What's the rush? Oh, snap. Oh, <laughs> snap. Okay. So what you're saying is, okay, in the past where I have been like uh, yeah. like a little puppy dog. Uh, what they call yes. puppy love. That's what yes. it is. Puppy love. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. And uh, so it's an insecurity, especially if you feel like it's not being reciprocated. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what if mm -hmm. it is? Let me ask you that question. What if 
you you go a little fast and they're matching your energy and they're going fast too what does that mean is that a red flag too or it's, or could it potentially just be like like you know something really <laughs> really good going on there what talk to me about that or maybe yeah. they're just not yeah. like yeah 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 you talk to me yeah of course trevor i think that's a better case scenario but remember this remember this what goes up must come down okay what goes up must come down. So if it's both of you and you are able to communicate it and stay in realness of communicating, then it's a good chance. But if it's one person that's constantly at you, that's a harder situation. So you listen, we, we don't know anybody unless we see them go through all of life's challenges and how they respond to it. That's how we really get to know somebody. So when we show up all frantic and crazy and puppy love, it's coming from a place of a wound because I'm going to respect myself and I'm not, I don't know you. I'm going to go slow, even though I think you're hot and you're molasses and you're, and you're sees candy. I'm still going to, I got to go slow because I got to respect me. I don't know you. That's so good. No, no, no. That is so good. I'm gonna give you another mic drop for that. Okay. Cause here, here's what, here's what's going on in my world. So, um, and I love, we're having this conversation. I love it's Valentine's day. Right. And like, uh, you could just use me as like your Guinea pig. Okay. You're the coach. Okay. And, and I, you know, I'm single, I'm dating. And so you need to coach me up on this, on this podcast. Okay. So here's what's going on in my world. Right. You know, you're in the, you're in the apps and whatever. And, and, uh, you're, you know, listen, like, honestly, there's a lot of like, it takes a while for me to be like, oh, this one checks a lot of boxes. Okay. This one's got, you know, uh, cause I've never been married. I don't have any kids and stuff like that. And so there's like, I have a checklist. Literally I, I took some time. I was on a flight and I took some time and I wrote down exactly like, I, I was like, you know what? I need to be intentional about what I want. Okay. I need to be very, very intentional. Because otherwise, I'm just going to get back into something. I'm just going to, you know, let life, you know, take me in a, in a direction I don't necessarily want to go. So I need to be specific. And uh, I wrote down probably like, I don't know, 50 to 75 different things. Some of them were like nice to haves, right? Some of them were, were deal breakers. So I had I had to have my deal breakers like you. You were talking about your deal breakers, right? So um and going through the app man it's like woo. there's a lot that this is very rare that i find someone that i'm like okay boom this this actually matches up but so i get excited i get a little excited I'm like oh okay this is this could be something here let's go let's let's check it check it out but to your point you still don't know these people you got to slow it down a little bit right you know what i mean you you got to take your time what's the rush right yeah what's the rush and being, here's the other thing. I'm going to hit on two points for you because very powerful. When you're frantic and you go fast, too soon, too fast, that's also being a target for narcissistic abuse. They see you as needy. And so they, they weaponize that. They see that as needy. And then the other point I want to make, Trevor, you're going to love this. Are you ready? I'm going to really give you a high five right now. I did the same thing with my husband. I made a list of who and what I wanted, the, the deal breakers and not so bad. And I'm telling you, son of a gun, if he's like nine out of the 10, 
I made that list on a train with my girlfriend because I was sick and tired and sick and tired of finding these guys that turned into like clowns. So I made the list and I still have it. It's ripped. It's got coffee. It's got teardrops on it. I still have it. And we reflect on it. That list is fire. I'm telling you what you did is, is like what I teach my clients. Make a list of what you want. What do you want? What do you want? Yeah. A lot of times you don't know. I, you know, like you don't know. And, and I had to really put some time. I, I had a flight that didn't have Wi-Fi. (laughs) <laughs> right. So I'm like, I bought this flight, like bored out of my mind. And I'm like, nah, I had my computer with me. Cause I didn't know that it didn't have Wi-Fi. Okay. So I'm on my, I'm, I'm like, okay. So I pull it out and I'm like, you know, what can I do? Let me just pull this thing out. Let's, let's get, this is important to me. It's really important. So started writing out the list and, and uh, yeah, I think, I think that's good. I want to ask some other questions. Okay. About narcissistic behaviors and things like that. Okay. Cause again, we were talking about it's a buzzword. You get called uh, uh narcissist. Like I, I've been called a narcissist before, right? So is and you hear it a lot directed towards men. Men are narcissists, blah, 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 blah. Can women be a narcissist? Absolutely. Little old ladies in grocery stores can be a narcissist. Hundred mm. percent. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm asking because some of the things you were saying, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I met, I met some of those before. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just like a narcissist, too, to call you a narcissist, just saying, because they're blame shifting, their point, they're just like flipping it off of them and putting it onto you. So, mm, okay. Trevor, a narcissist's projection is their confession. Think about that for a second. Or reflection. Or reflection, right? Right. It's there. If they're calling you on something, it's they're telling you that's who they are. That's how they confess is by blame shifting. Mm. Some of these uh, shows, okay, some of these Mm -hmm. shows like um, Bachelor, Bachelorette and all that kind of stuff. Okay. They they start using all these buzzwords. Okay gaslighting narcissists things like that and it's like some of that stuff i'm telling you because i've been called all that all of that (laughs) you're gaslighting you're you know all that stuff and it's like man uh where where's all this coming from what is going on why are men and women so um right now i mean i mean there's all these like podcasts too where everybody's trying to figure it out like they're there's like conflict going on between men and women right now. I don't know what's going on. What, what, what's your opinion on that? I think, and you're right. And I'm going to base it on my marriage. The number one reason why people have conflict and they start blame shifting and gaslighting is because no one's taking responsibility for themselves, but most importantly is lack of communication and vulnerability. Nobody wants to admit it hurts. Nobody wants to say, I need more of you. Nobody wants to get vulnerable. Nobody wants to get super emotionally honest. They rather you assume what they're thinking and fill it mm. rather than admit mm. it. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. They want you to yeah, figure no, I out. Know. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. 
because uh, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, I can't read your mind, right? I, I have said that. Like, I, I'm not a mind reader. I've literally said that. I'm not a mind reader. You're just going to have to tell me exactly what you want. And I'll I'll make sure we get it done. Like, just tell me exactly what you want. But if you don't tell me, right, like, I can't read your mind. And I think sometimes, and this could, this could come from the difference between men and women, men being more like, kind of more like direct, rational, uh, uh, like thinkers, problem solvers, and w- women are have a little bit more like uh, emotional, you know, things like that. And like, so, so for me, I'm like, I can't read your mind. And I think a lot of times the woman like wants you to know how she's feeling. Like you should know, you know what I mean? Like you should know. I've heard that before too. Like you should know. Like, no, I shouldn't. Not unless you tell me. Like I have a monkey brain. <laughs> like, 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 just tell me what you need. And me as a man, like, I want to solve the problem. So I I just want to do it. Like, just tell me what you need. So where does that come from? Where, where does this mind reading stuff come from? I, I It's all based, I believe, at the bottom of fear of intimacy. Fear of intimacy. And intimacy is emotional honesty. And nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go there because it's scary. It's scary to say, I need a hug or could you just listen to my pain? Or, I mean, think about it. Like men, even men to this day, Trevor, have a hard time crying. I think it's courageous for a man to cry. Well, when you said that right now, I need a hug or something like that. Like when you said that, I literally went, oh, like that's the empathy in me. Like if, if I was with a woman and she came to me and was like, I need a hug. Like, oh, and you're coming to me. Like that, like that makes me feel good that I'm, you know, the one that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, it just made me go, oh, like exactly when you said that, like, tell me that, you know what I mean? It's actually going to make me feel good. And I'm going to deliver on what you need. Just if you were to, if you can share your emotions. Yeah. But instead I'm supposed to guess that you need a, a hug. Exactly. <laughs> and it, cre- and it right? creates, it creates toxic communication because now I'm trying to read your mind. You're trying to read my mind and we're completely disconnected with our own truth. We don't even know what we want because you, we, you got to tell me what I want. And that's codependency really. But, um, like for another example would be like, Hey, Trevor, I just want to share something, but I just need a listener right now than rather than a solution. Could you just listen? Mm, That's it. That's so good too. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Let me tell you why that's so good. Okay. Cause again, as a man and as a problem solver, like I, like I want to fix the problem. So, so if you come to me and you're like, oh, I've got this issue and da, 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 da. And you're telling me everything. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if we do this and we do that, and here we go. Bop, 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 Let's solve the problem. And then I've been uh, told before in past relationships that I come off as like the father, like lecturing. It's like, I'm not trying to lecture. I'm trying to help. Like you came to me with a problem. I'm trying to help you solve the problem. It's not a lecture. It's because I love you and I want to help you solve this problem. It's out of a place of love. And so what you just said is so good. If you could say, hey, listen, I just want to, I just need someone to listen to me. I don't need someone to solve my problem right now. Maybe later, 
But right now, I, I just need to be listened to. I need to be heard. Right? That's so good. You know what? And yeah, and, and Trevor, we don't let people's conscience speak. We want to get inside their head and make their opinions change and solve their problems. But the most powerful thing we can do in a relationship is communicate, but also create space for their conscience to speak to them. In, in case of a conflict or in case of a communication. But when what we do is we ask for what we want and then we try and explain it and make and, and prove it. And we try and just overly share it. And it's like, okay, okay, I got your point. But then create space. So communication, create space and be vulnerable. And none of those will exist in a narcissistic relationship. None, none. That's really good. That's so good. Uh, vulnerability, okay, is also, um, I'm going to tell you something. Vulnerability is also another one of what I think, what I consider one of my superpowers. Um, I get vulnerable on this podcast all the time, too. Just so you know, like the audience, I get, I get messages all the time from people. Because I just want, like, number one, when I bring people like yourself on the show, I'm learning. I'm trying to learn. I use this podcast as a as a learning pad for myself, okay? And so I come in here and I get vulnerable. I don't care that there's people listening and da-da-da-da-da. Like, I kind of tune that out. I'm, like, right here with you trying to figure out life and vulnerability, right? It takes vulnerability to be able to do that, you know? Uh, I don't come in here and, like, I know it all and I got it all figured out. And, like, no, I don't. I don't have it all figured out. And uh, that's why it's so amazing that I get to lean on uh, some amazing people who have figured some things out and I get to ask questions and do all this kind of stuff. But a lot of times that, that means vulnerability, you know? And so I love that you said that. I love that you shared that. I think that's, that's amazing. Okay. One of the things else I want to ask you is let's say there is that real narcissist out there. There's that, that narcissist. Okay. What are some red flags? I want to hear some red flags of abuse and people go, Oh, mm -hmm, I got me a, I got me a narcissist in here. And then what should they do? Yes. Yes. So I'm going to give the, since your work is so much about jobs, we're going to do a narcissist boss as the example. Ooh, of that, that. Snap, let's, let's do go. boss. Let's do boss. I might be one of those. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. That could be me. Maybe you know I'm not. Let's find out. <laughs> Can I just tell you, though? This should be a game. <laughs> Let's make a game. This should be a game. You know you're a narcissist win. You know, like, <laughs> this yeah. would be awesome. Okay, go ahead. That would be awesome. I'm just going to say the <laughs> fact that you so quickly, your, your heart tugged on my comment when I said I need a hug is a really good sign you're not. You immediately jumped oh. on that. That's you really okay, cool. that, and that for me is a sign because you not only verbalized it that that it touched your heart, but it touched your heart so much that you had to immediately make a comment. To me, that's one sign you are not. Okay? Let's go. Okay, let's go. Got boss. One good. Got so one let's say you box. got a boss. You got a boss. And here's what you look for in a boss. Super grandiose, takes credit for all your work takes credit for your work, loves to stand and preach, but doesn't, doesn't follow it with action, makes you 
kind of like makes you think that they're amazing. But if you really go behind in their office, they're not doing much at all. They're getting everybody else to do it. And they're threatening them. If they don't do it with their job, they are constantly adding more work, more work, more work, more work, and threatening you with subtle messages of, you know, your job could be threatened. If you don't continue, they will use public shame in group meetings at a work. Sorry, I'm going a little bit fast here. Um, but I want you guys to hit home on this. This is a, per, a boss that will publicly shame you in front of your other coworkers to get you to work harder. Okay. This is someone, this is someone that comes off and everybody thinks they're amazing, but if you really look at it, they're not really doing much. They've got a lot of people working to the bone. So let's say you got this boss. Oh, and also at reviews, cause I I'm using my own example at reviews in your job, they will literally look at what you're not doing versus what you are doing. So there's not a balance. Mm. Okay. These, so they're these looking are at traits. all the negative. Yeah. They're, they're looking, looking at, at the all negative. the negative. So, okay. One thing you said real quick, I want to touch on yeah. is yeah. the public shaming in a group setting. Uh, so I have had this, I have had this, the, the narcissist boss you're talking about. And I, I have worked for one of those for sure. Okay. Um, and now that I'm I'm in a leadership position and I'm growing my team and all this and that and the other, I have to catch myself uh, with that because I grew up in that and I had that happen to me and I have to catch myself sometimes. And I'm like, so when it's not that I'm sh I'm not trying to shame or belittle or or do anything. I what what the times that I come off strong in a group setting is when I uh, hear a lot of just excuses. And it's like, no, we've talked about this one, two, three times, maybe even in, um, uh, you know, not in public on a one-on-one -on -one basis. We've had this conversation and it comes up in a public setting and it's like, I'm not afraid to call BS out when I see it. And maybe that's something I should, like, I've, I have this conflict, actually. I have this conflict with myself because I do, because I know, like, I don't know. I think about a coach, like like a football coach. Like, he's going to call you out. If you're acting stupid, he's going to call you out. And he's not going to worry about your feelings, okay? We'll, we'll, like, we're not here about feelings right now. We're here about winning a trophy. So I have a little bit of conflict there because I see that side. But then I also see the side of, like, you know what? That probably could have waited. That probably could have, I, I probably didn't have to say that in public or like in front of everybody else. Cause my intention is not to uh, belittle them, but it probably did. Right. And again, intentions and what, what's reality, you know? So anyways, talk to me about that. Cause I do have a little bit of conflict there on, on style of leadership and, and how to address those situations in a public setting. That's, that's an excellent question. And we want to lead with empathy and we want to lead as, um, as, as people that can meet them where they are. So I would, here's what I would do because where I used to work at Cleveland clinic before I started my own business, I was actually the one that was working with the ones that were troubled our employees. And so what I would do is, um, what I found most impactful is I would pull them aside with compassion and communicate to them what they're doing and how it affects 
negatively and versus what they can be doing and how I can, I have seen them do this other thing because they have it in them. And I will bring examples of how they have done it and have made an impact. And then if it continues, then I take phase two, phase three communication. But, but what, what I have found is when you pull them aside and show them respect and give them an example of what they're doing is not working versus what you have seen them do work. So I bring a balance into it. Uh, uh, It's a, it's the balance I'm telling you, because when I leave the conversation with, I've seen you do this and I know you can, and you were so impactful and, and, and you made such a difference in our team. I'd like to see you do the same thing with this. I've seen people literally leave happy rather than resentful at me. Ooh, that's so good. My freaking drop. I love that. Um, one of my, uh, my assistant actually told me her, her husband, uh, manages a big team and all this kind of stuff. And she told me one of his strategies. And she said, you got to do like the sandwich strategy or something like that. She called it the sandwich strategy where it's like you give them a compliment, right? And and in and in, in the middle is like, hey, this is what you need work on. This is this is where you're kind of messing up. And then followed up with another like compliment, like like something. So in between, so it's like positive, negative, positive, right? So she called it the sandwich or something like that anyway. But I thought that was really good. It's very good, actually. I like that. I'm going to pocket that, the sandwich, because it's it's a balance. And people are so wounded yeah. in this world, and they want validation mm. more than they want anything else. So we give them some, Ooh. right? We Ooh, give them yes. some. Yes. We yes. give them some because yes. there's good. Yes. It's not all in red ink. There's good, too. You know? Yeah, like, hey, you know what? Like, you're doing this, 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 and that really well. I see it. I love it you know what, here's some areas that, you know what, if you were to improve this, this, and this, it would be even better. It would be even better. Right? Like, it'd be even better. Like, I see you, and if you could do this, this, and this, man, you'd be a freaking rock star. Like, you'd be a rock star. Like, you're so close. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We lift them up rather than tear them down. And, And the other piece, I think, in leadership is so vital is that I stay consistent with them. I don't start having these weird vibes just because they did something wrong. And now I treat them different or I avoid them or silent treatment. I stay consistent in how respectful I am to that person, whether they made a mistake or, or, you know, did something amazing. I stay consistent because then they look, they look for that. People look for for your change and shift because they want your validation. You're their boss. Right. But For narcissist boss, Trevor, here's what I suggest. Here's the tips. There's a technique called, there's a, here's a technique called fluffing. Mm. Fluffing is, (laughs) is. is, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, all right, let's, I I don't think we need to fluff the boss, but let's go ahead. Let me hear this fluff. Okay. Let's talk about it. I got her cracking up. This is now that felt good. You made me that's... laugh. You made me laugh. That's you good. made me really laugh on the inside. So, Trevor, oh, I'm laughing too. Laughing is this. Here's what you want to do. If you have a boss that has those traits I talked about, you want to stay out of the radar. You because the minute you start standing up to them too much, or saying no, or setting boundaries, or um, 
exposing them, you are going to be targeted and exploited and you are in this job and haven't found another one. So here's the technique. If you recognize he's a narc and you're like, my God, this guy's full of it, blah, blah, all those things I said, what you want to do is go, you know, you fluff, you give one compliment, you say, thank you very much. You stay out of the radar and you go look for another job. The fluffing is you say, yes, you're a great boss. Thank you so much. I so appreciate this and get out of the room, get out of the way because narcissists will, the mask will drop their rage will come out. They will make your life a living hell. And if you say no, set too many boundaries or expose them, that's when they get rageful. So you fluff by saying, thank you so much. Like in other words, you don't dismiss who they are. You see who they are, but you go find another job where it's healthy because these people don't change, but you want to stay out of the radar while you're there. So you say, thank you. Yes, you are an amazing job, a, a boss, because that's what they want. Admiration. Yes, this is great. Thank you. I appreciate it and get out, go look for another job. This is so you don't make your life a living hell. Those eight, 10 hours you're in that job. You just do the best you can stay out of the radar. So, okay. See, this reminds me of, uh, when I was back in the auto industry, uh, I had a, I had a, uh, narcissistic boss. Okay. I had one. He was, he was a little bit cuckoo for cocoa puffs. If you know what I'm talking about, he would scream and yell and cuss and get in your face and throw papers around and like, Oh, I mean, like it was insane. And, um, not a lot of people could work for him for whatever reason, and maybe you can tell me, maybe we can figure this out. For whatever reason, I was in my early 20s. And yes, I did not like it. There were many times where I wanted to fight him. Matter of fact, we almost got in a fight because I would sometimes challenge him. But like, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, um, I actually responded well. And he would he would say something to me and the way I would um, fight back would be by going out and selling the car and like proving him wrong. And it, it like triggered me to be better for whatever reason. And I became the top producer there. And like me and him kind of became like Bill Belichick and uh, Tom Brady. Like there was a, eventually became a, a trust that I was going to deliver. Like I was the, you know, I was the top guy, like, and he would call a play and I would run the play and I would execute. And so, but there was a lot of friction and, um, there were, there were a lot of times where literally I, there's a, a guy that, uh, literally had to hold me back. Cause I mean, me and him, were going to go to blows. I mean, it got, it got ugly a lot of times anyway. So can you, maybe you share with me, what is your thoughts? Why did I, why did I perform well under that type of pressure and other people, they couldn't just handle it. They just, they, they literally couldn't handle it. And they just, they were like, I got to get out of here. Wow. Okay. So since you have shared with me that you want to learn here mm -hmm. and you want to be vulnerable. So I'm going to throw let's a couple go. questions. You ready? Yeah, let's you ready? go. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Was my first question to you is, have you always been trying to seek approval from your father? How do I respond to that? That's such a good question. Have I always been? I Probably yes. So when my parents split up, 
uh, I stayed with my mom and I wanted to stay with my mom because that's where the friends were. And that's, there was no discipline. I got to do whatever I wanted to do. And I did get in a lot of trouble as, as a teenager and stuff like that. And, um, my dad, he was always there. He was always there, but I didn't really want him around because he was the discipline. So I don't know. It's a kind of an interesting question because I, I didn't want him around actually. But then he actually became my savior later on because I got in so much trouble. I was in and out of juvenile detention facilities. I was getting in a lot of mess. And I was actually forced to move with my father. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I, that's such a good question. Was I always seeking his, like, approval? I don't, I don't know if that's a yes or no. I know that... Um, he he saved my life in so many ways, and I'm so grateful for my father. I love my father to death. I know that. Okay. Usually what transpires in adult relationship is an unfinished business with our parent. You And, and, and it's not black or white. It could be just some, a few characteristics here and there. But your relationship with this man, your boss, was definitely toxic and you decided you are going to win. You are going to win through getting his approval and getting him to see you. So there could be some things, for example, I would have to talk further about it, but some, maybe your dad didn't see you and see your worth in your early ages, and that created a wound that now you're trying to resolve with this guy. I know I'm going deep. I'm also a counselor too, so I do go to the root on a lot of things. But um, it could be that he just didn't see you at that age. It could be that it was your fight to get him to see your worth. There was a wound in you there. To your worth. point, you know, yeah. that definitely a wound in there for sure. Because to your point, I think a lot of my acting out as a kid was uh, a cry for attention. I think a lot of that was, right? Um, and I like I used to um, I used to write a lot of music and. Like some of the songs, I go back and it's crazy because it's like a time capsule and I read the lyrics of the songs that I was writing when I was 16. And there was a lot of kind of like animosity towards my father. And I think about it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, how stupid I was because my dad was always there. He loved the heck out of me, you know? Like it's just the mindset that I had when I was a teenager. I, my, you know, my mom told me a lot of negative things about my father and, um, you know, anyway, so. Okay. It, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You were going to say yeah, something. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, no, that, that's, well, that puts an impression on us, you know, and, but you're, you're, there's something there from our parent that shows up in our adult life that we try and get closure and finish. And it pulls us into these dances. And let me tell you, I was in and out of jail. I was on the street. Oh, Crazy. no way. Seriously. Oh, in my 20s, drinking, drugging, in and out of jail, domestic violence, just like heavy metal rock star, just all of it. And I still listen to heavy metal, though. I still like it. I, I was thug life, that. okay? And I still listen <laughs> to Tupac, okay? But yeah, you yeah, know, I, I was thug life for shout. Oh, so. <laughs> but I wanted attention too, just like you did. There was something in us yeah. we weren't seen or loved or given worth something. So that dance with your boss, mm. you had to prove yourself. No. Oh, that is one. Okay. Now that 1000%. 
because, okay, I told you, yeah, my whole life growing up, I was a screw up. I was a nobody. I was, uh, you know, in and out of jail. I was told I was never going to be made in anything. And I was, they were trying to put me on medication and all this kind of stuff. Cause I was like, I was like a damaged product. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the way, you know, the world looked at me. Okay. And so the auto industry was literally the first time I became good at anything in my life. I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good at any, like this was the first time I remember, literally I remember I was there for like maybe four or five months. Okay. I'm brand new still. Okay. Brand new. And I get a, um, I get a pat on the back from one of my managers and he says, Hey man, great job. You're in second place. Keep it up. You're in great job. And I said, what? Second place. I'm in sec. I'm like, I'm in second place. And I look over at like the, the first place guy. And he had been there for like 15 years, like a veteran, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, he's got all the trophies and da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm right behind him. No freaking way. This was the first time I'd ever had like a taste that I could be the best. I could be like, what? And it just freaking sparked something in me. I had to be the best then. I like at that point, I'm like, now that I knew it was possible, I had to. And it put me in overdrive. And like I lived and breathed the auto industry for six years. And I became the top producer every single year uh, for six years. So there was definitely that like I had to prove to myself that I'm like worth something because my whole childhood growing up, I was made to believe that I was worthless and I had no worth. So it was um that's it that you were gonna go down and dirty to prove yourself to the world the jails society father the boss i'm gonna prove to you all what i'm made of and so even if we're fighting or throwing wrenches at each other we're gonna go down we're going down because i'm gonna prove myself and i get that i that's warrior mentality actually that you figured it out though look at that look we had some you know back and forth here that's it that's exactly what it was i had to prove myself not only to myself but to the world and i remember like even after i had done it the first time became the top producer then i heard these words somebody said something to me about don't be a flash in the pan like this could have been just a fluke like and i had that like doubt in my head like well, maybe, I, you know, can I actually do it again? Right? Like, maybe I can't do it again. And this was just a flash in the pan. Like, oh, hell no. I don't want to be a flash in the pan. Like, I, I need to be the best. And like, like, you know what I mean? So I had to prove it again and prove it again and prove And I did, proved it six times in a row. It was one of those things. And then to the point where, anyway, the, there was a toxic environment where I was at. Still, it was toxic. And so I had to leave. I had to get out and make an escape. But anyways, um, that is where it comes from. That is where it comes from. Okay. So what does someone do? Like you said, they got that toxic boss. Um, like when, when should, when do they know they should go? Cause for me, again, somebody could have told me, Hey dude, he's crazy. Okay. You got a narcissistic boss, like get out of there. But I stuck it out. And again, for me, I, it, it drove me. And I became the top producer there over and over and over. So when when is enough enough? When should you say, hey, I'm out? 
Yeah. yeah, that's such a good question. If you are, first I'm going to say, if this is you and then what to do, if you are constantly saying, yes, you're losing sleep, you're giving up your goals, dreams, commitments for the sake of this job. If you are, um, doing everything in you, like Trevor and I just talked about pleasing, proving, trying to get this person to finally validate and see you, give you the award, give you the raise, and it's not happening. And you keep canceling yourself for the sake of this job you are getting sick. You're getting sick. You are getting sicker and you're going to get sicker and sicker. What I would say is draw your, draw your, your bottom line. How much are you giving to this job and abandoning self in your life? How much are you losing of yourself to this job? And what you can do is do the fluff because, because you don't want what Trevor and I have had was to go toe to toe with the boss. <laughs> you, you, you want with integrity to do an exit plan. Now you can, now you, if you have, but also if you have had the conversations, you have set the boundaries, you have verbalized yourself and you're not being seen and heard and actually demonized for asking for your rights. That's a really good sign. You want to just find a healthy job while you're there though. Don't do anything that's going to trigger you or damage you. You want to go look for something else, man. I used to work. I'm also an addiction specialist. I used to work in recovery homes and the overdoses were starting to really get to me. No one was being mean to me. I lost my brother to an overdose five, six years ago. The overdoses were getting to me, man. So I was like, I got to take care of me. I'm just going to go. Thank you. I'm going to go start my own business, wrote four books in four years. And now I'm my own boss. Now I was able to do that. I have a husband and so on, but you've got to find your truth and your happiness because jobs should not be killing you. It should not be killing you. It should not be. That was a big, a long answer, but I hope did that answer for you, Trevor? No, absolutely. Listen, if everybody tuning in, okay, if you're working in a company that's, you know, toxic and you got that narcissistic boss and it's just, you go home every night and it's just this like pressure cooker, you know what I mean? And like, you don't want to get up in the morning. Okay. You're like, like, like that, the, the eggshell feeling every single day, you know, walking on eggshells. Okay. Cause that's, that's bad enough when you go home and you got a relationship like that. Okay. Cause I've been in relationships like that where literally you're just, you feel like this is tension and this is walking on eggshells. Ugh, ugh. That's like gross. I hate that feeling. Okay. You don't, if, if that's the way it is every day for you in your, in your job, it might be time to reevaluate it. And it doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. It doesn't mean like the actual job, the industry, the role is wrong for you. It could be the people, okay? The people you're working for that are wrong for you and maybe there's a better place. But I also want to just caution the um, grass is always greener. You know, it's not always greener. And you can also- going out. Uh, hey, can we get a mute over there? There we go. Wait, hey, can we get a mute over there? Um, so yeah, the grass isn't always greener, guys. The grass grass is not always greener. And um, but you need to evaluate that for yourself. I can't tell you that. 
I cannot tell you what's right for you. All I can tell you is that if you are going through the time or season in your life where it's just like a pressure cooker, you're walking on eggshells, you know, you hate you hate waking up in the morning because you got to go to this job like that's not good for your mental health, um, which ultimately you know, if you think about yourself as like an ATM, like you produce income, right? Well, if you're working for a job that's like crushing you and killing you, it's actually crushing and killing your ability to produce income as well. Uh, over time, it can, right? Um, you know what I mean? I mean, that 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 extra stress and pressure, like there's a lot of people that have heart, at heart attacks and strokes and all this kind of stuff from from like stress, and pressure. So if you're putting so much stress and pressure, there's too much. And um, if that's the case, well, you probably should go somewhere else. And maybe you have to take a step back, right, to, to have a slingshot effect, okay, to have that slingshot effect. And uh, that's what I had to do. I had to leave the auto industry, take a step back in my income. I did. That's what, you know, I went out and, and became an entrepreneur and and, and started in, into financial services and all that kind of stuff, which I didn't know what I was doing yet. Okay. It was brand new. And so I had to take a step back. I made less money, right. To have a slingshot effect. And so guys, just, just think about those things. If that's you, I feel for you. I've been in those shoes. I know what it's like and I feel for you, but I can't make that decision for you. You know what I mean? So. Um, this has been an amazing, absolute amazing episode. I could talk to you all freaking day. Seriously, I really, really, really could talk to you all day. Like we could, we need to. Matter of fact, maybe we'll do a, a second episode or something like that. We'll we'll dive a little bit deeper. But um, what, where can the audience connect with you? What's your best place to connect? Is you have a special platform like Instagram or or LinkedIn or what? what where should they connect with you? And um, do you have anything? that you would like to offer to the audience or programs or anything that, that uh, you got going on, you want to put some spotlight on. Yeah, definitely. Trevor, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for talking about some of your pains that we could unhash for the audience here. That's really, it's in the experience and in the details that we heal and we grow that, that the conscious mind picks up. So thank you for that. And um, okay. So I am on, Instagram. I'm on all of them, but Instagram seems to be the one growing the most. So hit me up there. Break free, rise and rebuild. Break free underscore rise and rebuild is my Instagram. All my books. I have four. They're all on Amazon. I have now I'm, I will be launching pretty soon self-paced classes that you can just go and self-paced and don't have to see me every week. You just go sign up for that. That's coming out. A lot of cool stuff coming out. Um, I'll be in Dallas next week and see our friend Amberly. And let's see what oh, else. Oh, snap. Oh, yes. snap. Yes. Let's go. Let's Amberly go. Lago. Y'all go check her out, too. She's amazing. She's one yes. of my favorite people in the world. She's awesome. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. What a leader, right? What a leadership. So, yeah, you guys, if you have questions, it, it, this I just want to say that this 12-step um the 12 steps of recovery from narcissistic abuse is patterned after the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had to get permission for that. And I had to write a formula that worked for me and helped me get sober and apply it to narcissistic abuse. So it is a formula. There's prayer. 
um, there's prayers in there and there's some writing and understanding. I really believe this was divinely written by God and I'm the pencil. So I really believe if you are in a relationship or have been in an narcissistic relationship, 13 bucks, if you can't afford me or a therapist or a doctor or whatever, get that and just go through it on your own. You will have light bulbs and that's what Dang. we want. Yeah. 13 yeah. bucks y'all 13, 13 bucks. bucks. Okay. Listen, listen, I went to McDonald's the other day. It was $13 for a combo. Like, come on now. You look, look, we need to eat McDonald's or we need to change our life. Which one, exactly. which one you want? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Quit playing, exactly. quit playing. Okay. Exactly. This is not a game. <laughs> All right. As it is so good to connect with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. For those tuning online, that's the show is all about. Who ya know? Bye. Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know.